The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gassing on about it. Give you in the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. I have absolutely nothing planned for today, so we're going to wing it. Well, entirely. Okay. Well, how was uh, your week? Uh... <laughs> It's been all right. I did a family reunion thing on Saturday, Sunday. And like you, you, you uh, worked friend. a family reunion or you were attending a family reunion? Attending. Okay. Um, and one of my friends broke my key to my house. So I had to take an additional day <laughs> off to get that figured out. Oh, dude, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, were, you, were you still able to get into your house at all? I, I managed to get in without hiring a locksmith. Okay. Um, I thought that, like, worst case scenario, I thought I was going to have to call a locksmith to, to get the broken part of the key out of the lock. Oh, broke it in the lock even. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's even worse. Yeah. But uh, we managed to uh, take a pin and a paper clip and, like, with the pin, prop up the key and then paper clip kind of drag it out until we could get at it with some pliers, pliers and yeah. just pulled it out. Nice. So. I did not get it out. Yeah, we did. No, I didn't use pliers at all. Just your fingernails? No, just needles. Needles. pins. Pins. Yeah, but as soon as we had it out enough, you took the pliers to pull it out. What is this magic? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yesterday was like, pretty much, get another key and stuff, and, and mm. just dealing with this mess. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. It's over and done with, though. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I just need to get my keychain back from the person we loaned those keys to. <laughs> um. Although last week I did do some some mixing practice or whatever. Oh yeah. Playing with the console and just trying to get a feel out of it. Nice. How's that? Um, how's it coming? Um, I. I think it cuts out like two hours of my. Really? Mixed time, yeah. Is it is it really that intuitive? Uh, it works really well with the MCU. Um, without okay. the MCU, I think it would have added time. Mm. Um, and, and mostly just because of the track select that they have. It goes to 20, yeah. which that's a lot, but mm-hmm. I often need more than 20. Right. Um, so you have to bank through and... Yeah. So you have to go through banks and then you have to... And I know the math is pretty easy, but at the same time, it can... How does it display what bank and channels you're on? Because I, I know it, oh, it's, got the bu- it's got the button, buttons across the top, 120, yeah. so you can, you can clearly and see. And there's uh, a thing that says page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you page over, there's a light to tell you that there are tracks going the other, one way or the other. Okay. So 
if you only have like 40 tracks, it's pretty simple. Right. It's when you have like several pages, like if you have yeah, four pages, you're if you're in those middle the, two, yeah. it's very confusing as to which tracks you're on. How does it display on the screen? Uh, so it has different uh, modes on the screen. Um, okay. You can have it so that you have like the graphic EQ. Yeah. You can even have graphic EQ without a, a frequency response. Mm. Or alternatively, you can have all the knobs show up. Right. And then there's an additional two um, more that are just the meter bridge. Oh, okay. So there's like a total of five different screen modes that you can look through, and it's right. just a push of the button to cycle through all of those. Cool. So you can actually not ha not see the um, the uh, the EQ display. Yeah, that's if you didn't that's want to. very cool. I think I think that's the that's the mode I would enjoy the most because then d d sorry, I'm I'm hijacking the the question. Um, does do any of those displays easily tell you where you are in your page and bank channel selection? Uh, yeah, when you there there was an update for Reaper that makes the auto names work, so which oh, was cool. great. Okay. Yeah, um, but uh, when you uh, select a track, if you're using a full range, uh, it kind of has at the top like you just selected this track, which mm. is like track number I don't know forty two. Right. Uh, and then this is the name of that track. Gotcha. Um, so it, the, there are ways to know. Uh, if you're in the beater, meter bridge mode, there is like a highlight and it has like a brief name underneath the right. the meter Yeah. to give you a name for what's going on. And then you can just use the light indicators on the console one for... For the rest of it. For the rest of it, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um I actually found as I was like working with the console one, I had to wake up my screen a couple times because my screen would go black. Mm -hmm. That's good, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So it, it's taking me away from the mouse and mm -hmm. I'm a lot quicker at turning knobs than I am at scrolling with the mouse. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And I can work on multiple knobs at once, which I have been doing. When, right. when I took like maybe five, 10 minutes to get to a point where I was really comfortable twisting knobs and, and then combine that with my MCU. What I like about how they interact with each other is, uh, especially later on the mix where I'm jumping from like track to track and those tracks can be pretty far from each other. Yeah. What I can do is on my MCU, I can <coughs> cycle the banks to wherever I will, I, I I need to do work. Right. And then just tap on the fader so it doesn't move the fader at all. And oh, yeah. console one goes, oh, you're adjusting that track and just loads oh. up that. So it track. follows it follows the uh the selection. Yeah. Does the MCU I guess the MCU's doesn't it's not affected by that at all. Um uh, they're actually somewhat communicating with each other. That's um, awesome. The thing with me saying that the volume didn't affect the MCU, right. I've come to realize that, no, it is affecting the MCU, but I can do a lot smaller movements with the console one than I can with the MCU. Like the MCU, it's like... It, 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 a lot of the movements that I'm doing with the console one are so small right. that the MCU is like barely moving at all. Mm. 
and I could do that with the console one. So if right. something's like half a dB too loud, I can I would use the console one, whereas like several dB, I would use the MCU. Sweet, sweet. Okay. Um, yeah, and the transient designer is great in it. Oh yeah, yeah. They call it. It's just simple controls. It's punch sustain. Yeah. You want more punch? That's what the SPL model has been for forever. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, yeah, it's really great. Mm. I've been using it on almost every channel. Oh, really? Yeah, it's nice. just like, like, uh, I don't know, something's just not sustaining enough. I'll crank the sustain, or, right? Or I want it to appear more in the background, so I'll turn the punch down. I kill the initial transient. <laughs> that's, that's sometimes that's what you need, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I've also been finding that I'm less, even less conservative with my EQ curves, mm-hmm. which is nice because, like, in the computer, because I am watching those meters as I'm adjusting them, or the frequency graphs or whatever. Yeah. Um. I do get like to a point where I'm like, oh, I'm I'm subtracting nine dB. Yeah, that looks Maybe like such I a huge back yeah. off a bit. But <laughs> with this, it's just like, oh, I took out like twelve dB. Right. But it sounds great. <laughs> I think I'm just going to continue with twelve dB cut. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, it's kind of normal for us to do that with an analog eq yeah you know just you're just crank you're just it. listening and and so you you keep turning it up you keep turning it down whatever you whatever you want and then you don't really you don't look at you the don't numbers. think about the numbers i mean I, i'm sure some people do but you know the, the the most i look at the numbers is trying to okay i'm going to turn this to there actually that's one of the things I love about the the Neve EQ we have downstairs. There's no numbers. Yeah, you, yeah. you just kind of find plus positions or minus, that it. are yeah that you know have a good feel to them, and and that's more or less what I've been doing with the con- excuse me the console one. Mm-hmm. It's just turning knobs, getting it a di- feel. Does it display um, around the knob? Does it display roughly where? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's got the little rotary lights. Or the... Yeah, there's a light that goes around each and every knob. So as yeah. you turn it, it the the light kind of shifts over to tell you where the knob's pointed. Right. How does the um, how how's the response responsiveness with it? Because that's that's always been one of my um, one of my concerns with them. Like a lot of those kind of digital interfaces, the there's some sort of latency in the res- in, in in the response or i didn't notice any latency uh even in like 117 tracks i think was the biggest track count i did i didn't notice any i don't mean lat- latency in the playback i mean latency and make um some uh, sort of delay in, in making the move like as you yeah, as you well, I'm lower talking the f- about both okay. more or less like okay. uh, no latency in both the audio playback mm-hmm. and uh, just my feel for right. twisting the knobs. Gotcha. Cool. Um, 
<laughs> I mean, the, the more you play with it, the more I want one. The GUI is pretty bare bones, basic. So that could help with processing power, I guess. Mm -hmm. I would hope so. Um, it's actually the, 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 the bare bones GUI is kind of one of those things that I actually prefer about it, you know, cause it's, it's so easy to get lost in, um, yeah. in big displays and, and to hear that, to hear that it has a, um, you can set it to just meter bridge mode. That's, yeah. that's pretty nice. So they, yeah, you really you don't not want at to look at any of that, that stuff. You can just go meter bridge. Yeah. And I mean, meter bridge is useful in the sense that it doesn't, uh, obscure your right. vision. Cause if the downside to this thing is like, even if I'm not in my DAW, if I accidentally hit the on button on the console one, yeah. the whole thing pops up. And if I'm on like the big screen where I can see all the, the stuff, it takes up like my entire screen. <laughs> Although I don't know if that's true with my new computer screen yet. You got a new one? Yeah, I got a 31 inch. Good God. Why? I'm using it for watching TV and stuff. Oh, okay. Still, man, that's, that looks, that, that sounds like it's humongous. It is large. Yeah. Is it any bigger, bigger than Roland's there? Uh, it's taller, probably okay. just as wide. Okay. Yeah, I think Roland's is just a widescreen. Yeah. But when I, when I build my studio space, I'm going to probably go with the super wide screen, yeah. but not like tall just mm. to kind of have a nice yeah kind of compact but still large enough to see a lot of information right i'll probably go with two of those mm. my current idea right now is to have one screen that's just kind of hidden yeah. and then it, when i i'm hoping to build a desk that i just push a button or something or flick a switch and it, the second screen will come up and then you have your two monitors that sounds science fiction science fiction what are you talking about uh some magic robot arm coming out what, of nowhere whatever i want it to have this vibe to it that's yeah. just like an engineer comes in they do that for the first time and they just go oh man i always want to work here right yeah so i'm i'm, I'm trying to put things like that in there that would be a cool little thing yeah yeah and Mary's just trying to make it look nice. Mm. Well, someone which needs to. I appreciate because yeah, a studio should look nice. That's right. That's Shouldn't right. necessarily look like a man cave. It should look <laughs> professional. And... Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um. Yeah. Right. <laughs> She's still awake. Yeah. She's probably pinteresting or something <laughs> um i had a uh um i had a, i got a, I, I got a couple of stories actually okay um i've been working on this kind of classic rock blues rock album for i guess we've been going about five months now um this is that one where they're doing a bunch of the tracking out of their own um home studios mm -hmm. and then they're sending me a lot of tracks and we're doing some overdubs like we did a horn section here and and uh we did i think we did all the lead vocals but they're doing all the background vocals at their place and that kind of thing mm -hmm. and overall overall it's been going really good 
um, took me a little longer than I hoped to do, um, to do all the mixing. Um, I, I struggled quite a bit making, um, they had two songs where the arrangements were really, really full. Right. Um, horn sections, uh, piano, organ, double tracked guitars, um, lots of vocals. And so much of it was just the biggest problems I had was the, the piano was really aggressively played. It was a VST piano that they sent me. Okay. Um, but already turned into audio. And I don't know if it, I don't know if the player programmed at it wasn't 27. It wasn't programmed. It was actually, it was actually played, but okay. it felt like that. It felt like, well, chances are then they probably didn't care about the velocity. Maybe. Yeah. Um, it ended up being usable. Okay. Um, but it was still really aggressive. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the horns, the horns sounded pretty good. It was, it was, um, three local area, um, pros, like they didn't, they didn't cheap out on the, on the horn section. Um, <clears throat> so that was nice, but, uh, they, um, the arrangement was very, very competitive with the vocal range. So the horns, yeah. the horns and the vocals were, were fighting for a lot of space. Um, and the singer, singer's got a, a deeper voice. Okay. Right. So ideally the horns would have existed much higher in their range. Um, but they'd all kind of come to a compromise that we want to be, you know, middle, middle, low. But if everything's hanging out in middle, low. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, so I, I'm fighting to get all of this stuff to, to work, to, to sit right. Yeah. Um, and I had, I had an absolute rookie moment. You're going to love this because it's such a rookie, such a rookie moment. Um, the horns are too up front and I can't turn them down anymore. They sound, they sound kind of distant and muffled. They don't sit right either. And the piano is kind of the same thing, you know, and, and, uh, and I listen to the horns I mute the vocals and I listen to the horns. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds really good. I like how that sounds. And I switch over to the piano, mute the horns, mute the vocals. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is sitting about right for the piano. And then I turn the, I, I turn everything back on. And I'm like, no, it's just, it's too much. It's everything's up front and in your face. I, I don't understand. And so I'm going after all this all this top end and I'm going after all this mid range and upper mid range. And, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm cutting this and I'm cutting that and I reset everything and I start over and, and I, I cut this and I cut that and, and I, you know, you know, different amounts of, of, of reverb and I'm trying all sorts of different things. Yeah. And then it occurs to me, maybe I actually just need to, high pass it higher. <laughs> and so I start, I start, I start rolling up the high pass and I had, I think I had the horns high pass at like 112. That um, sounds pretty low. 
It, well, and, horns. Right? Except except the trombone, a lot of the meat of the trombone was down there, right? And uh, the sax was playing pretty low, and, and it was existing down uh, a lot down there. Was this, this just like a pre-existing like brass section track? No, I had I had individual oh, okay. individual track outs, yeah. um, but but I but this this was on this was on like I just made like a horn bus, oh right, and so I, you were just applying an EQ to the bus, yeah, um, okay, and I and I I I'd done that to all the horns individually anyway, mm-hmm. um, and I got a mix of them together where it sounds like a nice cohesive unit, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm <clears throat> anyway so. I start rolling up the high pass and I, and I get to 150 and I'm, you know, I don't notice a difference and I'm doing this all in the mix, right? Yeah. Um, not soloed, just in the mix and I get up to 200 and I still don't notice a difference. Get up to 250 and I'm like, it's the horns are actually starting to sit back a little bit and I get all the way up to, I think I stopped at like 315 mm-hmm. and finally the horns just kind of, they, they just took this step back all the clarity I'd wanted out of the horns, but they just take this step back and sit behind the vocals in just the right way. And I, I slapped myself so hard <laughs> for, for, for getting such a basic, yeah. such a basic movement, you know? Um, yeah, it was pretty. And so, so naturally I go back, I go back to the piano and I start doing the same thing. And then I, of course, I solo both of them, mm-hmm. you know, what, what have I actually done? And both of them sounded awful on their own. They sounded thin and gross and, and the piano especially sounded just, just aggressive and nasty. But then of course, for all, you know, uh, the piano is almost playing a, uh, playing a solo through the whole song. Yeah. You know, one of those, the horns are playing their prearranged parts, but, you know, of course I, I then have to automate up and and down all these all these piano parts where there isn't a vocal (laughs) but yeah it was uh it was a um it was one of those moments where i'm frustrated at myself for forgetting such a basic thing (laughs) you know yeah yeah anyway so so i've I finally finish, finally finish mixing the tracks and I'm, and I listen to them all. I listen to them all, um, together. I, I load them up in, in, mm-hmm. um, in VLC or something. And I, and I just kind of skip back and forth and, and the, the songs where it's just drums, bass, guitars, um, the vocal sits perfectly. The guitar, the guitar player was yeah, less to compete and so much less to compete with, right? The, the guitar player's built his the guitar player built his tone kind of around his voice you know so the guitar is taking up a lot of the higher stuff and the and the his voice is taking up some lower stuff Mm -hmm. i don't think he did it on purpose i think it was just kind of an accident but he got it right yeah um and then i listened to the the full arrangement stuff and it's just so thick that everything is everything is just just sitting back and yeah and so i i was i was really worried that they'd hear the mixes and and be obsessed about um how the songs sound so different mm-hmm. despite the fact that the songs are at their core um drums bass guitars this the songs all kind of sound pretty similar they're all within the same that same ballpark right right yeah but these fuller arrangement ones definitely 
they definitely had a ton more going on anyway. So I get, I get, um, I make note of them as I'm sending their mixes. Don't send me individual comment lists, you know, take your time, make some notes, uh, get together and compare your notes and then send me a list, can a list with everybody's, everybody's thoughts and what you want revised or whatever. Yeah. They ignored it. Of course they did. Yeah. Um, day of, I get notes back from the drummer. Um, and then yesterday, yesterday, the, the singer guitar player sends me his notes. Right. And other than, other than some, um, some arrangement notes that he wanted changed, like there was a, there was some symbol things going on at the start of one song that he wants gone. And, and, um, I'd chosen one instrument in, in one of the instrumentals that had, that was really busy. Mm-hmm. I chose one instrument to be the lead and he was thinking the other instrument should be the lead. Right. So, uh, you know, make those kind of changes, but there was this one part where we kind of agreed on a, um, on a, uh, kind of a lo-fi, like old transistor AM radio kind of tone. And the arrangement wasn't working at all with the, with a transistor radio kind of feel. So I kind of went with old vinyl instead, right. you know? Um, but as I'm playing, I got, uh, Isotope has that, uh, vinyl plugin that, uh, that simulates a lot oh, of, right. Yeah. You know, and you can add in noise and you can add in Pops. scratches. And yeah. You can also add in a, uh, the, a, a warped, you know, like if, if the oh, records yeah, warps, like right? some wobble or whatever it's called. Yeah. Whatever it's called. Right. And so I added in some of that and I'm like, this is, this is sounding really quirky and cool. I enjoy this. And so I sent it off, not thinking much of it, but the singer's response, um, to that thing was, I see what you were trying to go for, but that just sounds horrible. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I, yeah. you know what, after I, after I'd had a moment to, to think about it, it was like, okay, that's fair. I know what you're getting at. That's, <laughs> that's fair. Um, but I made the mistake. I made the mistake of of, of reading that on a uh, on a quick session break uh, Monday morning, yesterday right. morning, and it, and it I didn't have time to think about the context, you know. So I I had this this sounds horrible phrase just kind of stuck in my gut <laughs> for all all morning until I had time to time Actually, to like sit look down at the context and process it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, it was a rough, a rough morning, but yeah. I was thinking of doing a thing that um, the six figure home studio guys are kind of recommending where it's like a, you submit this forum and it's like your own pre-made thing that walks through uh, the revision process kind of with them oh, okay. and kind of forces them to actually think about what they want. Right. In a sense, I was thinking of like possibly downloading that, taking a look at it and seeing what I could do to create my own right revision um, sheet to give to clients and be like, here, fill this out. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Most clients are pretty good. I, yeah, I, I find most of my clients are pretty good about talking to the rest of the band and coming to an agreement that okay, these fit changes need to happen. Right. So, yeah, I could see I could see how a 
form like that could um could guide them through the process though yeah make them think a little more critically um and and help also them stay organized yeah yeah and then i was also thinking of to make the revision process easier like i just listened to the most recent one yesterday and oh yeah it was interesting but it was already kind of stuff that i was doing they were talking about like batching work and like how oh yeah how to go about certain work the whole idea was to make your your clients happy i guess um but they they talked about like um things like instead of doing all 10 songs and spending a lot of time on them do one song get the one song right and then you have a general idea of where they want the rest of the songs to be when it comes to mixing huh. uh but have Which, you ever have you ever had a problem with that though i i usually don't do all 10 songs unless like um the project is like one of those this is a super long song and we're just cutting it up oh yeah in which case i'm doing just the really long song giving that to the client right and then when it comes time to splitting like when we're like okay this is good then we talk about where are we splitting the song right and i've only ever done that twice okay um where was i oh uh the thing though that i I really liked that they were talking about um was your first mix that you give to them so that you're not wasting time like say spending 10 hours on a song and then finding out that the route you went is just completely the wrong way like they didn't want any of those choices that you made uh is to give them like a quick rough mix you just go through every track get like basic levels basic eq basic everything send that out and then like tell them like so this is where i'm thinking of going i still have like another 30 40 percent to go is there any problems that you guys see right now that i can address so like if they didn't like your drum mix for example like your basic drum mix um you can fix that like if they didn't want a clicky kick drum, they wanted a more woofy kind of kick sure. drum. You could fix things like that really quickly before you get like super into the the mix and trying to get everything balanced. <coughs> Which I thought was a pretty <coughs> good um, advice in a in a way. I suppose um, I I find that gets me into more trouble. I I used to do that, hmm. and I found. I would get, I would get some of the most unnecessary or unhelpful responses hmm. because they're hearing an unfinished product. Yeah. Right. And and and, and I, I don't. At its core, uh, the, the general idea of making sure you're going in the right direction it does make sense. Yeah. Well, right? I think the whole idea wasn't necessarily to give them something that sounds terrible. Um, the no, idea is I'm... to get them involved early on in the mix so that if you are going the wrong route, uh, you can quickly correct it instead of yeah. realizing like when you have spent like 10 hours on something that, yeah. you know what, I have to start over from scratch because the way I went is completely different from where the band wants to go. Right. 
it's pretty like, i wouldn't want to go in a mix having like i don't know if i'm doing sample replacements like brought in like samples that make the kick drum sound exactly how i think the kick drum should sound like and the snare See, just to and, find out that they want like a completely different drum sound and maybe that's maybe that's where i maybe that's where i deviate from from this suggestion is I'm trying to get the sound they want out of the kick drum right at the beginning, you know, like well, as you're recording, as we're recording or, um, and I'm just using that as an example. Though. Yeah, no. And, and, and that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the one that makes the most sense to me is if, if you're doing, if you're doing drum replacement on stuff mm-hmm. or if you are, um, um, reamping, guitars and basses and yeah. that kind of thing but it like, could even just be the vibe of the vocal you're going for like if i was to do my favorite thing which is send a vocal to a uh an auxiliary track with like compressors and i i do that to thicken the vocal to like yeah give it some more body i guess you could call it and things like that like maybe they didn't want that maybe they wanted to sound thinner for some kind of emotional reason or something although i'm usually pretty good at knowing that this part doesn't need that body so i don't add it here right. or whatever yeah um hmm. I mean, I think I'm going to adopt the idea to the point of like, I'm going to do a quick mix. And before I get into the sample placement and automation and things like that, that's what they're going to see explained to them. Right. This is not a finished product. I haven't gotten into the very tedious stuff yet. Is this a general idea of where (laughs) you want the song to go? Yeah. Or is there something that's like, wrong here like is the kick drum too clicky or do you want more click do i have to add a very clicky sample on sample on top of it yeah that's tough man um i think i'm gonna experiment with that see what works for me because i I think it's a good idea Mm -hmm. because there's definitely been moments where i give up a product to a band and then I have to start from scratch or they just say I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, it's on me for not getting them involved in the the feedback process sooner. For sure. Then, you know, for sure. Um, I haven't, I haven't completely missed on a direction like that since I stopped sending clients early versions. Mm. You know, um, I, now maybe you also have the benefit that you're usually recording your clients so they're true, usually giving I, you I'm, an idea as to where they want to go right off the bat i'm thinking i'm thinking back to like the vanity red record where they were they were never happy they were never fully happy with with what i did um and that was that was largely because we had we had the conversation early about specifically about the drums um I didn't make the drums punchy and slappy enough okay. for them. Um, but we'd had the conversation. Do you want me to do some sample replacement stuff on these, on these drums? 
And they're like, yes, we want that. I'm like, well, it's, we're just going to have to be some more money on the table because that can potentially be a lengthy process. So I want to make sure that I'm not spending an extra five hours on a mix um, for the, you know, the tiny budget that we're working with on this. Yeah. Is there more money? No, there's no more money. We're not paying you anymore. I'm like, okay, well then I'll make do with what I got. We'll make it as good as we can. And that'll kind of be it. You know, and, and, and so I knew from the get go that they weren't ever going to be happy. Hmm. Um, but all the, all the things that they came back to me with, aside from the drums where, um, where they wanted something else specifically different, were all really easy fixes and they didn't, they didn't dramatically alter much in the mix. Okay. You know? Um, and they were, and, and yeah, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think what else, um, yeah, the, the last time, the last time that I sent out a mix, um, a rough mix to get feedback from a band, they completely ignored the fact that I said this was an unfinished product. This is just something so you can hear the edits and confirm that these are these are the correct performances you want on stuff before I start the mix. And the whole band just assumed that was a finished mix and fired me. That's on them though. I know, I know. But that's <clears throat> those are the kind of those are the kind of things that happen for me anyway when I send out incomplete stuff, hmm. right? I don't get that a lot, but I also have like a different clientele than you. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, that might be, that might be the thing we don't like, I, I don't work in the, in the, all that much in the hard rock, heavy metal genre. I also have people who are recording themselves a lot more. So, um, yeah. and they're just sending me stuff cause they feel like I can add. Yeah something to the song more than what they can do well and, and that was that was one of the one of the reasons i identified the vanity red it was it was someone else that had recorded it and sent me all the tracks right yeah i think i was the third mixer to have my hands on it okay yeah. which is why they had no more budget that's, i mean that's fair yeah oh yeah um but then to to contrast that do you remember the band River Valley Search Party? Sounds familiar, but I'm yeah. drawing a blank. Um, Tasa Hubert um, was the lead singer on that. Okay, doesn't ring a bell. No, no. Uh, they were they were a similar similar thing. Um, I got the mixes after I think yeah, I think I was the third person on that one too to get the mixes or to get the tracks to mix. Right, um, and I spent as much time fixing some, uh, editing mistakes as uh as mixing um but there are very few i i mean i sent them i sent them a mix where everything was well balanced and and placed nicely mm -hmm. <laughs> sitting nicely together and they were happy you know like that that was it, it, it and, and maybe because they're more, more they're more blues rock than anything um it really is all about all about balance and clarity rather than anything else. Maybe. Yeah. 
It's an interesting, it's an interesting, um, thought experiment. Um, you know, it's, it's too bad we can't actually run scientific experiments on these kind of things. Yeah. Unfortunately we have clients to please. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, cause it, I, I'd really like to know, I'd really like to know what, what the difference is, um, between the two processes and how people, how artists respond to them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, from a, from a vocabulary, not a vocabulary, from a communication perspective, I make sure that I always set up that first mix that I send to a client. I, I make sure I always set up, um, with set up their frame of mind by, by saying, this is, this is my first version. I already have a couple of things I want to change. I want you to give it a listen now. And, and I want to bring you into the process so we can collaborate on, on fine tuning everything and getting it exactly the way you want. Yeah. I think that's more or less what I'm talking yeah. about is like, you're giving a first version before you get, but, but my first, deep into my it. first, my first version is like 98% finished. Right. Like that's, that's the version that I want to send out. Like, and I, and I specifically, I hold myself accountable by stopping the clock. The moment I send my first version. Right. Right. And, and waiting means, for them to get back to you. Well, well n- not just that, but I mean, sometimes, fuck, sometimes there'll be, a, you know, two weeks before they get back to me, but, um, I don't charge them for revisions, um, or any sitting down to, to, to work through other things in the mix, especially if I've, if I'm going to have missed the mark, because I want to make sure that the vision, the version that I send out is as close to a finished product as possible. And I've only had, I've only had a small handful where the clients have come back and say, yeah, that's exactly what we want. We're done. Hmm. But I, I fully expect the revision process and I just want to make sure that I've done all the heavy lifting so that we really are just tweaking. Yeah. You know, and then, and then if there is something, something wholly crazy that they want changed, it's usually pretty simple to make those changes even within the context of a mix. Yeah. Um, I even had, uh, the Johnny lemons when we did that record not too long ago, um, they wanted to completely re-record um, one of the songs vocally and the main guitar, they wanted to completely re-record, um, because they just, they weren't happy with the sound that they were getting. Right. And it didn't have, didn't have much to do with me at all. Okay. Uh, they also wanted to stay away from pitch correction. That was one of the reasons they wanted to re-record the one track. Okay. They didn't want to, they didn't want to rely on those kind of things. Sure. Mm -hmm. that's the artist's vision so they should stick to it absolutely yeah Yeah. um but it they were also really good about the the drummer came in on on setup day and he and he says i want you to listen to this record this is how i want the balance of my drums to be well yeah i'm also going to be yeah, yeah. As I mean, clients uh, sure. hand me stuff, I'm going to be asking them questions like, "What records are you listening to?" And I'm I'm actually going to say things like that instead of like, "Can you give me reference tracks?" It's going to be, "What What are you listening to right now? Mm. Uh, are you listening to like 
give me recommendations as to what to listen to kind of thing. And I'm, I'm using that to kind of compare what they're currently listening to, to what I'm giving them so that, because chances are they're going to do exactly that is compare them. And so that's going to be hopefully helpful. Um, Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, but also gives that vibe of like, I'm asking them to give me recommendations on music. And even if it's music, that's like, I've heard a million times ago. I'm just going to be like, cool. Yeah. I'm going to give them a check. I'm going to check them out. Cause I am going <laughs> to listen to them <laughs> yeah. to compare what they're listening to, to yeah. what, what they are getting from me. Well, and, and I think that's, I think that's key in the communication process. I mean, you know that as well as as well as anybody, but. Oh yeah. Um, I also read like psychology books that like talk about ways you can approach people. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, that's, that's kind of like one of those things where it's just like, right. you're legitimately asking for people to give you recommendations and you're using it for your work. Yeah. But in their mind, it's like a friendly conversation. It's not all strictly business. Right. It's more kind of you being like, Hey, what are you listening to? Yeah. Let me check it out. So yeah. it's kind of some, I don't like saying uh, social manipulation, but mm. it, you can argue, I guess, that there is a little bit of that. But it is a legitimate reach you're, out to the cust- the clients to be right. like, show me what you're listening to so that I can make your projects sound just as good as what you're you're currently enjoying. Exactly, right? Like it's it's less about less about manipulating and more about making the connecting them to the work. Yeah. And communicating in a more efficient manner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I dig that. But it's utilizing psychology to know that if you use that approach that you're going to get more friendly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and, and like, that's the thing I do is just, I read all these weird books that mm-hmm. like tell me how to communicate with people better yeah. in a more friendly way. And like, it actually helps a lot. Like I've <laughs> since reading, um, like how to make friends and influence people and influence people like yeah. since reading that book, like I've had like plenty of people that were mad at, uh, my job and like, I'm able to talk them down from being mad because like they say something mean i'm not going to focus on that i'm right getting to the issue at hand yeah what's your problem okay let's solve that problem instead of being upset that this person's getting Said mad at something me. mean yeah yeah that's a that's a hard skill for most people to learn um well i feel like if you read that book you kind of learn how people work a little bit right and it it, it kind of reminds you to just like remain calm and just be like, okay, hey, sorry that you're having issues. What's your problem? Let me solve it. Right. the uh, The world would be a better place if fewer people responded to other people's anger. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm getting good. Like, I don't know. Uh, I'm getting good results from my experimentation with. A lot of that psychology stuff. <laughs> You're experimenting on people. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, it's more just right. 
learning how good customer service looks like and it's not this thing that we're all used to where it's you should get the money out of the customer it's more solve the customer's problem and they they will be a customer for life and so that's right it's less about the short term more about the long term and that that's a lot of where my thinking has been going lately is just thinking long term not short term yeah especially when it comes to artists um i i'm sure it's as important everywhere else but with with artists and their general sensitivity yeah right they get upset with me i'm not going to like I'm going to do my best to remain calm and just be like, okay, well, well what's the problem? Let me, let me fix it. Right. Cause you're clearly upset with me for something I did. So, or maybe it has nothing to do with you. Oh, yeah. it, it potentially has nothing to do with me, but then like, if I have a solution for them, I'm going to look good in their eyes and they're going to come to me yeah. to help them out in the future. Right. Which would be beneficial to, the business that I'm trying to start up. That's right. In fact, me and Mary have been talking about like a long-term idea that will be an expensive project in the end of the road, but it's kind of build a building that's like a arts building where there's a recording studio in there. I was thinking having a few editing suites so that I could rent those out to engineers and that could be their workspace. There's a live space that's like shared maybe two, depending on how busy right. it gets. Right. Um, I also talked about rehearsal space and then, uh, the idea opened up to, why don't we also open it up to like illustrators and other artists? Mm. So it's this just sounds like, like a, like a Toronto or Vancouver project. Maybe uh, at the end of the day, it's just like where we want to build a, a community yeah. in a building. Yeah. of arts uh, maybe we'll have like a coffee shop for like lunches and stuff <laughs> in that building but you know what um do yeah, you guys, are you guys the idea sounds huge yeah so like it's probably like as we're older and have actual money <laughs> right anyway I, um are you guys are you guys familiar with the phillips building downtown mm-hmm. it's uh converted Mary might be but... converted into condos now Mm. Um, but it was, um, the guy that owns the brick, um, Comrie, Bill Comrie, he, uh, he owned that building downtown and it was a 1920s ish kind of, uh, kind of building. And, and it had been, it had been really run down. This was before they'd, uh, what, what street is that? 104, 105. Right. Fuck. Why can't I not remember? Um, anyway, it, it's right downtown yeah. and it was a, it was an old kind of nice looking, you know, early century, um, early 20th century building. Yeah. And they, because the, the street was basically, basically not in use at the time. And yeah, cause we're going back to 2001. 2000 2001 ish era they um they turned that building into um into a whole bunch of artist spaces 
And so there was a there was a photography studio um, on one of the floors. It was a whole bunch of band rehearsal studios. Mm -hmm. uh, my band was in there for almost a year, and um, there were uh, some painter studios. There were some shared um, shared artist workspaces. There was a fur store downstairs, like they sold fur coats that kind of stuff. Um, but it was it was this one big community and and there was there was a guy on the on the top floor i don't know maybe the fifth floor or something like that guy, however many floors it has a guy on the top floor that turned it into a venue and it was it was a free venue but only people that were part of the part of the building were allowed in hmm. it was just a really great really great art space um downtown yeah, yeah. I, I think that's kind of like the idea we were going for is just this building that is for the arts right. and then we may have like a a restaurant or something or like a cafe most likely right. uh, in there to kind of just facilitate like the working professionals inside the building to come and get but also be open to also well, be of course to be course, open but, to yeah. the neighborhood but um, the idea is yeah. like this community of artists so that if like, for example, a band comes in to record at the studio and they're getting mixed and mastered by these in-house guys or, right. that are renting spaces there, maybe they need an artist. Well, you just go yeah. to one of the office spaces, talk to one of the many artists we have. Yeah. I'm sure they have something that would work for you. Uh, I don't know, maybe we'll have photographers. Like the idea is to have like a community that right. not only pays rent, but they help each <laughs> other in their careers and stuff. Yeah. It's an idea that uh, that we only had like a day or two ago, but it, it, it's a cool idea to maybe build towards. Yeah. I, I think it sounds, I think it sounds brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds expensive though. It does. <laughs> it sounds like you would need to own a building, a pretty large one. Sounds like retirement option. Yeah. Well, I mean that that'd be a it'd probably be a really great um, retirement investment. Yeah. Right. Um, and then yeah, and just make it make it a central central hub for artists, artists of all types. Right. Yeah. 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 Sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Should we delete it from the podcast so no one else gets it? Nah, whatever. Like, <laughs> who has the money in the arts to do that? You'd be surprised. You'd be okay. surprised. But who has the money and is willing to do it? Because mm -hmm. there it is, is a lot of work to have something like that. Yeah. Well, especially, especially to be able to finance it through the lean times, right? Because you're not always going to have, you know, you're not always going to break even or make money on the building, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it, that could be, that. it sounds like the kind of thing that a municipal government would invest in as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it does sound like something that a government would help out with so that... Yeah. In the lean times, there would probably be like some government grants coming in to. In fact, I um, 
the uh, the Orange Hub, not too far from here. Yeah, um, the city has taken over, and they're. It looks like they're trying to do something similar to that. Yeah. Now they're they're going as much in the nonprofit as the arts, but they are they are renting out to dance troops and, yeah. and they are um they do have the two recording studios in there which are currently unfilled um so there are there are there are some options mm-hmm. um and and definitely a, like the city of edmonton here is is certainly considered oh i i feel like i'm putting words in their mouths but um they are leading that space towards something similar yeah yeah. Well, that's kind of more or less what I, w- I would I was thinking right. of. Um, yeah. Maybe I even build a venue to mm. have bands come in and stuff. Right. Although, I, like, the more I think about this project, the more it's like, oh, we need like an army of people to work for us to manage all these yeah. things. Well, if you had a staff of just a management staff of three, you could probably pull off the thing that you have in your head. Yeah. Um, not including the restaurant staff, of course. I mean, right. Like the whole like cafe or whatever. It's just like, we're renting them that space. And the, yeah. Yeah. And, I don't and care about a, their expenses. It's a, as long uh, as they pay their rent. Yeah. What's a, what's a nice, um, local, um, coffee shop company. Uh, there's a few, maybe like, like rogue goes in yeah second location I'd probably like leave it open to like a local yeah rather rather than a big a corporate. starbucks or a tim hortons like I, I wouldn't want any of those in no. there i'd want somebody no no that. tim hortons stay no. away from tim hortons well I, i'm staying away from all those big franchise i like starbucks because i like their um rice crispy squares <laughs> <laughs> well, otherwise, <laughs> I'm going to be even staying away from Starbucks. Like, right. I'd rather a local, yeah, coffee shop or something come yeah. in. What's that? Uh, what's that coffee shop on um, on 109th Street, just south of the High Level Bridge? Transcend? No. 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 No, that's what it's called. But no. Oh. Oh. No. Okay. Yeah, I, Transcend doesn't enough. have that great of coffee. I, I wouldn't know because all coffee tastes terrible to me, but um, <laughs> despite the fact that I have two in front of me, um, I enjoyed that vibe. I, I That was just one of the, one of the things I was thinking of. Mm. Okay. Noted. I will, I will remember that they have terrible coffee. Well, I, I feel like they have terrible <laughs> coffee. A lot of people still go there though for yeah. whatever reason. It's not terrible coffee. They're just assholes. Remember where there's an apple? Uh. <laughs> I don't get that. Condescend coffee. Condescend coffee. <laughs> you know what? I I was um, I found this I found this article on um, and it, we're we're about to run out of time, right? But I found this article from excuse me from Waves about um, about working with uh, tape plugins that is kind of a kind of a primer on oh excuse me kind of a primer on tape mm-hmm. and i was really excited about about bringing it up today but we had such a great a great conversation that um you didn't get a chance yeah so maybe next week maybe we recently got a critique that we never follow up on anything we talk about so yeah. that's it <laughs> we'll see y'all next week
Follow our hosts on Twitter at Two Bodies of Water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.